The clacking of bone hooves echoes down the street. You and your family hear it from inside the busy house full of Christmas cheer. You know what is coming, and so do the relatives you barely know. You and your cousins prepare your best rat bars. The pale horse is coming. This is your host, Isabel Hennecke. Every episode, we study a cryptid of this eerie, eerie world. Welcome, from the Pacific Northwest, to fairies and folklore. This episode, we're diving into the cryptid called Mary Lloyd, the skeleton Christmas horse of Welsh folklore. Now, I want to make this clear, this is more of a tradition than a cryptid, but it is just as interesting, so I had to choose it for this year's Christmas episode. The Mary Lloyd is a wassailing folk custom found in South Wales. Other names for this creature include E. Fairy Lloyd, E. Wassail, which means the wassail, E. March, which means the horse, and E. Gifanus Farch means the canvas horse. One account from West Glamorgan had the head termed the Adern B. Eloid, meaning the gray magpie. That last one, however, may be due to an error on the part of the recorder, who could have confused the cryptid for the Adern Pika Eloid, an artificial bird in a tree that was carried by wassailers in the same area. There are debates on what the most common name, Mary Lloyd, means, and that's where we're headed next. The folklorist Lawrence C. Pete believed that the term meant Holy Mary, and thus was a reference to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Although some of his acquaintances later suggested that the use of Mary for Mary was unknown in Wales prior to the Protestant Redef Reformation, and he countered these criticisms with the observation that the term Mary was being used in reference to the Virgin in the mid-14th century Black Book of Carmethan, the earliest surviving manuscript written solely in the Welsh language, thus justifying its early usage in the Welsh lands. That was a lot to take in. But, basically, Lawrence C. Pete said that the term Mary Lloyd means Mary, the mother of Jesus, because it said so in this very old and ancient manuscript. Another interpretation suggests that because Lloyd is the usual word for grey in Welsh, and that Welsh speakers would have been exposed to the English word mare in the time Mary Lloyd was created, it suggested that Mary Lloyd had originally meant grey mare. This also connects it to the heritage of pale horses in Celtic and British mythology, many of whom can cross over to the underworld. Some scholars have linked her to a legend connected to the nativity story. 
The story goes that a pregnant horse was sent out of the stables when Mary arrived to have Jesus. The pregnant horse spent many dark days roaming the land trying to find somewhere new to have a foal. Many Mary fans believe the character to have some pre-Christian pagan origins, however. This is impossible to prove, but there's definitely something timelessly terrifying about her. Another suggestion is that Mary Lloyd derives from the English term Mary Lude, referring to a Mary game. Our folklorist, Pete, opposed this idea, arguing that if the latter was converted into Welsh, then the result would be Mary Lute, or Mary Lude, not Mary Lloyd. Pete also dismissed the idea that had been suggested to him that the term Mary in this context had derived from Morris, a reference to Morris dance. Another reason to doubt this idea that there is no known historical link between the Mary Lloyd, which was a South Wales tradition, and the Morris tradition, which was concentrated on the north of the country. Mary Lloyd was traditionally only a South Wales thing. The Mary Lloyd itself is quite strange. It consists of a horse's skull mounted on a pole, which a person carries around. But to cover the person and the pole, a big, large cloth, usually white, is draped off the back of the skull and around the person. Now, the horse skull is not just the best part. People will decorate it with ribbons, ornaments, baubles, tinsel, and any other type of Christmas decoration you can think of. The white sheet that conceals the person and the pole is attached to the back of the horse's skull, and often the seam is covered by more decoration. On occasion, the horse's head was represented not by a skull, but was instead made from wood or even paper. In some instances, the horse's jaw was able to open and close with the result of a string or lever attached to it. There are even accounts of glass pieces being attached to the eye sockets, representing eyes. An observer from the town of Yangnoid during the 19th century noted that preparation for the activity was a communal event. Many locals would involve themselves in decorating the Mary Lloyd, bringing their children, and decorating it themselves. There is a unique example provided by an account from the Gower Peninsula, in which the head was kept buried throughout the year, only being dug up for the use during Christmas season. This cryptid, as I said at the very beginning of this episode, is of the wassailing type. 
Wassailing is the tradition of people going door to door, singing and offering drink from the wassail bowl in exchange for gifts. This practice still exists, but has been largely changed out with caroling. The custom of Mary Lloyd's was first created in 1800s. Many more accounts have been recorded throughout the years. According to those, the Mary Lloyd was a tradition performed at Christmas and New Year's, though sometimes also in Midsummer or even on Halloween. In a number of cases, the tradition of Mary Lloyd was carried out for several nights in a row. Now, it wasn't just Mary Lloyd running around from house to house asking to be let in. She had an entourage that would usually accompany her. A party of men that would tag along usually consisted of four to seven men who had often colored ribbons and rosettes attached to their clothes. Sometimes they wore a broad sash around the waist and they even painted their faces with black coal or paint. I don't know what the reason for the face painting is, but it sounds pretty cool. Within the members of the band, there would always be a smartly dressed leader who would carry a staff, stick, or whip, and lead the Mary Lloyds around, as it was hard to see with that horse head and blanket around you. Other characters were the Merrymen, who would follow the group around making music with violins and other instruments. Other individuals dressed up as well-known entertainment and puppet show characters like Mr. Punch and his wife Judy, and they were often very brightly dressed. Mr. Punch would carry a long metal fire iron, and Judy had a besom, also called a broom. The men in the party of Mary Lloyd would carry the skeleton horse to local houses where they would request entry by dropping some epic bars. For those non-Gen Zers, Mary Lloyd would ask to be let in by poetry and singing. The members of the household would be expected to deny them entry and offer excuses for why the team could not enter, again through song. The two sides of the rap battle would continue this back and forth, also known as the punko, until the inevitable happened. When the householders could no longer continue with this epic sing-song of excuses, the Mary Lloyds and its party would be let inside and allowed to drink all the homeowner's beer. Yep. If you lose the rat battle to this clackety horse from beyond the veil, it'll drink up all your alcohol. Now, letting a Mary Lloyd into your house isn't as bad as you think. Yes, you would be expected to give them food and drink, but it was also considered good luck, and the horse was thought to bestow good fortune upon the house as it left. Now, if I saw this on my doorstep, I probably wouldn't be letting that ghost horse in to drink up all my alcohol. Not that I have any, but it would be terrifying to have that horse running around inside your home. And besides, those crackers are mine.
account from Nance Grohl described a particularly strange yet intriguing performance in which the Punch and Judy characters would cause noises. Punch would begin tapping the ground to the rhythm of the music and rapping on the doors with an iron poker, while Judy brushed the ground, house walls, and windows with a broom. When the householders lost, they had to make Punch promise that he would not touch the fireplace before he entered the building. Otherwise, it was the local custom that before he left, he would rake out the fire with his poker. In the case from the town of Languinid, however, there was no interplay between the householders and the troop, but rather, Mary Lloyd's party were typically granted entry automatically after singing the first verse of their song. Once inside, the entertainers continued with the Mary Lloyd running around, neighing, snapping its jaws, and just creating a general havoc, and frightening the children, and perhaps even adults. During this episode, the leader would pretend to try to restrain it. The merry men would play their music and entertain the household during their little performance. Now, in order to not get ransacked by the Mary Lloyds, you need some excuses in poem format to keep it out. In Mary Lloyd's heyday, the verses traded between the sailors and the households they visited were rhyming insults, delivered, of course, in Welsh. I will link some videos in the description to some examples of the most traditional songs, like the one I am about to share with you. Obviously, I'm terrible at pronouncing different languages, so I'm just going to read the English translation. The opening goes as follows. Well, here we come, innocent friends, to ask leave, to ask leave, to ask leave to sing. The song goes on to say something to the effect of, let us in, please, and... If you don't, we're going to keep singing until we annoy you enough to let us in. Some other verses of the song were too good not to include, so here we go again. If you've gone to bed too early, in a vengeful spirit, oh, get up again good-naturedly, oh, get up again good-naturedly, oh, get up again good-naturedly, tonight. The large sweet cake with all kinds of spices, oh, cut generous slices, Oh, cut generous slices, oh, cut generous slices, this Christmas tide. Oh, tap the barrel and let it flow freely. Do not share it meanly, do not share it meanly, do not share it meanly, this Christmas tide. And now, for the grumps who don't want Mary Lloyd raiding your food stores, I've got something for you. To keep this high horse head from raiding your pantry for literally all your beer and booze, try the following song. Written by 18th century minister and hymn writer Isaac Watts to chasten the Mary and her drunken minders, try Against Evil Company. 
The poem goes on longer than the following, but here's the gist of it. Why should I join with those in play, in whom I've no delight, who curse and swear but never pray, who call all names and fight? I hate to hear a wanton song, their words offends my ears. I should not dare defile my tongue with language such as theirs. If you decide Mary Lloyd is good company, as you should, this song will invite her into your home. Her visit is meant to bring good luck to your household during the year ahead. And besides, she's an undead horse who's been rhyming since the pre-Christian era. Realistically, you won't outsmart her. When you're ready to concede, William Butler Yeast's A Drinking Song will do whether you're singing in romantic admiration or resigned defeat. It goes a little something like this. Wine comes in at the mouth, and love comes in at the eye. But that's all we shall know for truth before we grow old and die. I lift a glass to my mouth, I look at you and sigh. Obviously, that's not the whole poem, but you get the gist of it. As with many traditions, Mary Lloyd still has a foothold in South Wales, though it is no longer as strong as it once was. A few Wales citizens have made an attempt to bring back the tradition of Mary Lloyd, and have succeeded quite well. I will link a video in the show notes. The skeleton horse has inspired many an artist to create. The poet Vernon Watkins published his Ballad of the Mary Lloyds in 1941. The Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, has written the following about Vernon Watkins' poem. One of the outstanding poems of the century, it draws together the folk ritual of the New Year, the Christian Eurochrist, the uneasy frontier between the living and dead, so as to present a model of what poetry itself is. Frontier work between death and life, old year and new, bread and body. The Mary Lloyd was also utilized by the artist Clive Hicks Jenkins in a series of drawings from around 2000 that focused on a metamorphosizing horse-slash-man and a nightmarish harbinger of his father's death. Catriona Urquhart wrote a sequence of poems titled The Mare's Tale, which were published alongside Hicks Jenkins' images in 2001. In Susan Cooper's 1977 novel, Silver on the Tree, she included an appearance of the Mary Lloyds. Now, I haven't seen or read any of these artists' creations, but I can bet they're going to be pretty good. 
I'll include some works from Clive Hicks Jenkins in the show notes so you can see his art for yourself. Christmas to all my subscribers. Gosh, that sounds cringy, but I really do appreciate it, and I wanted to take a moment to thank you all for listening. This podcast has become way more than I thought it would when I first started writing episodes. Um, I want to thank you to all the listeners in all 26 countries. Yep, 26 countries. You guys are amazing. Thank you to all the Spotify listeners, the Google Podcasts listeners, the CastBox listeners, the Overcast listeners, and the listeners on all the other platforms out there. Thank you to my mom for supporting me, even though she doesn't listen because she gets scared of creepy cryptids. Thank you to my dad and my brother for technical support because I'm terrible with technology. Thank you to my friends for supporting me by listening Thank you to one of my best friends, Aubrey, for proofreading and hyping me up to make more episodes. My procrastination is terrible, and you've definitely helped with that. And finally, thank you to all of you amazing and wonderful people out there who love to listen to the show. I'm so thankful for you, and I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. This is Isabel Haneke, hosting Fairies and Folklore. From the Pacific Northwest, goodbye. Today's weird bit of knowledge. Here's a tip for asking someone out. Leave a watermelon on their front porch every Wednesday night. That's a surefire way to occupy their mind. And hey, thanks for listening. If you want to support the show, keep up with our latest episodes, or you have feedback you would like to share, follow the show on Instagram at fairiesandfolklore or go to instagram.com slash fairiesandfolklore. The first five people to comment get a shout-out, and when you follow, don't forget to tell me your favorite piece of weird knowledge. Who knows? Might get featured in a coming episode. I also have a website, so if you decide that's what blows you goat, that's anchor.fm slash isabel Henneke. That's anchor.fm slash isabel dash h u e n e k e